when you step out of your comfort zone, when you step out of whatever you're moving into, God has already laid up the preparation. He has already laid up the safety net around you. He's already orchestrated and moved things into position for you to walk into the moment. Hi, I'm Lori Harp, and this is my podcast. Like most women, I wear many hats. I am a nurse, a wife, a mother, a friend, an encourager, but most importantly, I am a child of the Most High God. For many years, I believed the struggles I faced were because I was doing something wrong. I would hate myself for not being perfect. Then one day, someone told me God loves me where I am. Yes, we all face struggles and we all have things to overcome, but with God, all things are possible. In this podcast, I want to unpack the many issues facing women today. There is nothing in this life, no mistake, no flaw, no scar that is too much for God. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, let's discuss real life issues through the lens of God's love. Get ready, let's harp on it. Hey guys, welcome back to Harp On It Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Harp. I hope that you guys have had a great week. I am pretty excited this weekend. My daughter and son-in-law have been up from Houston and we have had a great start to a very busy weekend. We went out to dinner last night and were able to spend some very intense time around the table playing dominoes. Now, I don't know about your family, but our family is pretty serious when it comes to domino playing. We believe that second place is the first loser, and it gets a little bit heated sometimes around the domino table. Um, We have laughed and really enjoyed. I have to say that I was really fully intended on winning last night, but I um, came in not first. So I will lick my wounds and hope for a rematch soon before they go back. Um, We are a family that loves to get together and just enjoy each other's company. It was a delight to my soul to have all of my kids around the table. I just love to hear all the funny stories and just laugh and just enjoy them. I think as I've gotten older, I'm just a little bit more sentimental than I used to be. I think I just enjoy them more. Or maybe it's just because they're not always in my stead as much as they used to be. I guess maybe when they're younger, they're just always around you. And as they get older and they're a little bit more grown up, they're just not around you as much. So you just enjoy the time that you have a little bit more. I am uh, so excited for this week's podcast, Um, one, because of the title, um, and two, because it's just going to be a fun podcast this week. I was going through the motions and trying to figure out what to do this week for the podcast, and it just seems like sometimes it's just a process for me. I try to kind of come up with a podcast based on kind of what I'm going through during the week. Um, This week's podcast I titled, Do You Want Me to Do What?, 
And it's kind of based on my week this week. I am a case manager, as many of you know. And so I deal with a lot of crazy cases that work. I work on a pretty difficult unit in that we have a lot of people that have had their life just kind of turned upside down. I work in a med search floor, but where I work, people have had accidents or illnesses that have just kind of popped up out of nowhere. So when you have the opportunity to plan a surgery or plan a pregnancy, you kind of have the moments where you can kind of plan things out so you prepare for things. Well, when you get sick or you have a car accident or a stroke or a heart attack or something along those lines, you don't really have the opportunity to prepare for anything. So when these big traumatic events happen, it just causes a cataclysmic event of things to take place and you're just kind of left in a upheaval of emotional chaos. And so when I go to see my patients on the floor, a lot of times I'm met with a lot of emotional baggage. Sometimes it's patients that are angry, sometimes they're just very upset, and sometimes they don't even know really how they feel, but it's just my job to kind of unpack all of that. Well, this week was no different. I had a nurse that called me and said, actually it was a physician that called me and said, hey, I have a patient down the hall that needs you to go see him. And the son called me and is just all Twitter-pated and very upset and says the the patient has no place to go, that they have no home, they have no job, um, they have no insurance, and I need you to fix the problem. This is not an unusual conversation that I have with my physicians or my nurses or my patients, by the way. This is a pretty um, common occurrence in my world, which is probably why I really enjoy my job because it allows me to problem solve and it allows me a lot of opportunity to um, minister to people and really come in and find solutions for problems and really help people. And honestly, that is one of the benefits and one of the perks of doing my job. It's also one of the hardest parts of doing my job because you can't always help everybody. And so that's one of the heartaches of my job. But on a daily basis, I am in a position where I am able to help people and I work in a hospital that allows me to minister and pray with people and so I am blessed to be able to do that in my work environment. At any rate, I um, was able to go and talk to this patient. I get in the room and he's very, very downhearted and he's barely making eye contact and he says, I have no place to go after the hospital. I've lost my job. I've lost my insurance and I have no place to live. And I'm like, goodness, you know, let's try to unpack this. And he says, well, you know, I got fired from my job yesterday because I came to the hospital and we continue to talk. And I'm like, well, 
gosh, this sounds awful. And that seems horrible. It seems like it's totally unfair. And in my head, I hear the Lord say, I need you to call the patient's boss. And in my head, I have this argument with the Lord. Now, mind you, I feel a little schizophrenic in the moment because in my head, I'm arguing with the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I'm not calling his boss. And the Lord is like, yes, I need you to call the boss. And I'm like, Lord, I'm not calling the boss. That's not my job. That's not my wheelhouse. I don't even know what to say to the boss. Like I'm having this whole dialogue in my head with the Lord, arguing with him that I'm not going to call the boss. And in the moment, I'm like, you want me to do what? And and the Lord's like, yeah, I need you to call the boss. And And then at the same time, I'm listening to this patient tell me what's going on. And so... At the end of a few minutes or a few moments, um, I hear myself, well, maybe I can call your boss. And so in my head, I'm thinking, well, I guess I lost that argument. And so I tell the patient, well, let me grab a piece of paper. I'll take your boss's phone number. And I um, write down the patient's boss's phone number. And I find myself walking down the hall and and now I'm having a conversation with myself going, what did you just do, Miss Harp? Like, what are you thinking? Like, you're going to go call the patient's boss. You're going to have a conversation. Like, like, Lord, what are you thinking? Like, why do you want me to call this patient's boss? Like, I'm not, I don't even know what to say. Like, I have no words to say to the person's boss. Like, what am I going to tell him? Like, there's no way. But I'm thinking, well, maybe I can convince him to not fire him because he's in the hospital. Maybe I can convince him as a medical um, person that, you know, the patient's in the hospital. Can you give him a second chance? And so I'm like trying to convince myself to have this conversation with this person's boss and trying to go through the conversation in my head, what I'm going to do. All the while, I'm getting more and more anxious as I'm walking towards my desk, thinking I have just kind of put myself in the craziest position ever. But I have now done it and I've told this patient that I would in fact call his boss and try and get his job back. So I go back to my desk, I pick up the phone, I call this person expecting to either be cussed out or hung up on or some other catastrophic event to happen. Um, I end up talking to the person's boss and lo and behold, the patient was not fired and the patient um, apparently was very, very sick at work and the patient um, was told to go to the hospital because he was so sick and the boss had in fact told him that if he didn't go to the hospital and get a note from the doctor at the hospital saying that he could go back to work, he was going to fire him. So it was kind of like a a game of telephone in that what the boss had told the patient had totally been transposed into something else. And then when the patient told me what the boss had said, it was something totally different. So now I get to be the hero because the boss tells me he's not in fact fired. And so I get to go tell the patient that in fact he's not fired and he can go back to his truck driving job and he can in fact still live in his cab of his truck and he hasn't lost his insurance. And so all of those catastrophic events that were going to occur from him losing his job were not actually going to take place. So I go back to the patient's room. I tell him, patient's eyes filled up with tears. He looks me eye to eye and he 
tells me thank you and tells me nobody had ever been so kind to him. Now, I am not telling this story so that Lori gets accolades. I am telling you this story to tell you that the only thing that happened here was that I had taken a moment to listen to the Holy Spirit. And um, and again, I'm not saying this because I'm all that in a bag of chips because I happen to be obedient. I'm just telling you so that you can have an example of the things that can happen that seem so big in the moment, but really they're not that big because God had gone before me and had really prepped the whole situation. God knew that the boss hadn't fired him. God knew that when I picked up the phone, the conversation was going to be easy. And God knew that I was not going to have any harm happen to me. God just knew that I had to get out of my comfort zone, get out of my own way and get over my anxiety of feeling uncomfortable for a moment and do what I was told to do to be able to accomplish what he wanted me to accomplish. Now, that doesn't mean it was comfortable. It doesn't mean it was easy. But at the end of the day, when I did do what God told me to do, it allowed me to have that warm, amazing, good feeling that I truly helped somebody and that I was able to really make a difference. But had I said no, or had I decided that, yeah, it's really not my job and walked away, I wouldn't have been able to have the blessing. Now, I truly believe that God had the best interest for that patient and God would have used somebody else to accomplish the job. I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for everyone and God is going to do what God wants to do because God is sovereign. So if Lori Harp had not been the vessel that God used to accomplish the job to tell the person that he wasn't fired from his job, God would have used somebody else, but I would have lost the blessing. So I want to take a moment and, and transition to a Bible story. And I want to go to a story that most of us know, but as is my MO, I want to kind of flip the story on its end and take it from a little different angle. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 9, verse 10 through 19. And I'm going to, of course, paraphrase just for time. Um, this is the story of Saul. Um, and his uh, conversion on the road to Damascus. So Saul is a very zealous uh, Jewish leader, and Saul is pursuing Christians that are promoting the Christian church. Now, before, right before Acts 9, verse 10, we see Saul has gone to the Jewish courts and gotten papers to go arrest more Christians to um, and to throw them in prison. And we also know a few chapters before this, we know that Saul has also um, killed Stephen, who was the first martyr in um, the Christian church. And so we know that Saul considers himself a good guy. Saul thinks that Jesus is a heretic. He thinks that the Christian church is not good. He thinks that the Christian church is blasphemous. He is out there believing that he is doing good work for the Jewish 
people. And he believes that what he is doing is right. So he is zealously pursuing Christians and putting them in prison, again, thinking that he is doing what is correct. He is an all or nothing guy. He is the top of the top in the Jewish um realm and so he is a very high leader in the Jewish courts and so what he is doing he thinks he is doing well so we find Paul as he is heading to Damascus and all of a sudden a big bright light comes down and it shines on Paul and a voice comes from heaven and it says Saul why are you persecuting me and Saul says who are you and he says I am Jesus the one you are persecuting and um, Saul is converted but at the time he is blinded so Saul has some men with him they take him back to a home in um, Damascus and then um, he is laid up there for three days and he is blind for three days and he doesn't eat for three days he's just laid up in a home in the meantime God goes and talks to a, a a servant of his Ananias and he says to Ananias I need you to go and lay hands on a man that is in Damascus and he says this man is Saul and Ananias says you want me to do what and he says I've heard about this guy this guy has been killing people and putting people in prison that talk about Jesus and you know that I talk about Jesus and that I'm one of those Jesus people right God like like you understand who I am and that you want me to go to him and lay hands on him right you understand who he is and who I am and what you're asking me to do and God says yes I want you to go lay hands on Saul the one who's been imprisoning Christians and killing Christians and I want you to go and lay hands on him so Ananias does do what God asks him to do and he goes and lays hand on hands on Saul and as he's praying for Saul scales fall from Saul's eyes and he is able to see and then he is baptized his name is changed to Paul and Paul eats and then we know Paul to become the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Paul becomes one that is one of the greatest missionaries in the New Testament and then we also know that the Apostle Paul writes a good portion of the New Testament and the Apostle Paul is an amazing protagonist in the New Testament and I love the Apostle Paul he is zealous he is fervent and he continues to chase the Lord despite all of the major things that he has to face because Paul has many 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 things that he faces he goes to prison he gets beat up he constantly is facing things but we're going to put Paul on pause for a minute and I want to focus on Ananias I want to focus on a couple of things with Ananias number one Ananias is faithful and he answers God's call despite where his 
feelings and his emotions are. I feel like if I was Ananias and I was talking to God, I would be like, God, I'm not so sure that you're seeing what I'm seeing. Because God, if you were seeing what I was seeing, I'm not so sure that you would ask me, a Christian, to go lay hands on that guy. I mean, it's kind of like you're asking a gang member from this gang to go over and talk to a gang member of an opposite gang. Do you understand the volatileness of this interaction? Like, if you put it in that realm, there's bad blood between these two people. The, the chance of Ananias being hurt by Saul is significant. If there's not really been a heart change in Saul, the chance of Ananias getting beat up thrown in prison, or even killed are very high. But Ananias trusts God and trusts that God is going to provide protection and provide provision and that God knows what God is doing. So Ananias is faithful to God despite the emotions that he is feeling. So Ananias has to take that fear and that trepidation and all of those emotions that he is feeling and throw them in the back of the bus and decide, I'm going to step out of this and I'm going to walk my little feet over to Saul and I'm going to do what God asked me to do despite what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking because I'm pretty sure God has flipped his lid and he is not thinking straight on this one because he is asking me to go lay hands on the very man that is killing Christians. Or at least that's how I would see it. That's where I would take it. But he does what he's supposed to do. And number two, I want you to remember that anytime God calls you into a situation, he is already laid up the provision and the protection. Joshua 1.9 says that, Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you, and he will keep you wherever you go. So we can walk in in courage. Now remember, courage isn't the lack of fear. It's just doing something despite the fear. So when we we know that our soldiers and our warriors that go into situations where it's dangerous have courage, they may still have fear underneath there, but they still step into the situation. They have courage. Be strong and courageous. We may still have fear, but we take the fear and we put it behind us and we courageously step into the situation. So when we step in those moments that God has called us into, we still may have a little bit of fear, but we're going to take that fear and push it back and we're going to step courageously in the situation knowing that God is going to protect us. I want to remind you that Psalms 91 says that God gives 
his angels charge over us. And he gives his angels charge over us that they would lift us up, that we won't even stub our toe. I love this image because it reminds us that God is so consciously aware of our person that he wants to make sure that he takes care of every aspect of us and make sure that we are well cared for. Y'all, I I want you to understand that God does not willy-nilly put us in these situations. God has thought about these situations and laid up preparation and moved things in in position for us to move into these situations. When I picked up that telephone call, and albeit I'm not moving into a war zone, but at the moment I had anxiety that felt like a war zone. You guys, I was very anxious about making that phone call. I know it's a ridiculous a scenario and it's really not that big a deal but I was very anxious over making that phone call but God had made the preparations and he knew that when I picked up the phone call it was no big deal so when I stepped into that moment he had already made the preparations he already made it a situation where it wasn't any big deal for me I had to step out in faith and I had to take my anxiety and push it back and say, you know what, I'm going to make the phone call anyways. And what's going to, what's the worst that happens? The guy dresses me out and, and I get called a jerk. Okay. I I can live with that. I mean, I'm not sitting in, stepping in an Ananias situation where I, I might be dead, but, but at the same time, I, I do have to deal with my anxiety and my fear of failure and my fear of making a jerk out of myself. So I still have to deal with those emotions. And so God knew that I still had to step out of my comfort zone and I had to still move in those things. But God had laid up the preparation already. And he was concerned about those things. He cared about those things. So translate that from Lori Harp to you. When you step out of your comfort zone, when you step out of whatever you're moving into, God has already laid up the preparation. He has already laid up the safety net around you. He's already orchestrated and moved things into position for you to walk into the moment. Do you understand that this is the same God that spins the earth on the axis at the exact perfect angle so that the sun provides the exact temperature for us to have the perfect temperature to not freeze to death or burn up? But if you don't understand who God is and what he does, and he doesn't have a value of lordship, it's going to be hard for you to move in these moments. And so what I want to encourage you to do is, one, find out if the Lord has that position of lordship in your life. Because if he is not the Lord of your life, it's going to be difficult for you to place trust 
and value in who he is. I want you to be in a position where when the Lord says, I need you to do whatever it is, and you have a moment where you go, you want me to do what? And then you can sit in that moment for a, for a few seconds, and then you can say, okay, Lord, I trust you. I'm going to step out in this moment, and I'm going to step out of my comfort zone in faith, and I'm going to do whatever it is you called me to do, knowing that you are going to provide safety and you're going to provide the provision that I need and you're going to take care of me and I'm going to walk into this moment knowing that you've got me and we're going to do amazing, exciting things that nobody has an idea of what it is going to be. It's going to be on what we can think or imagine because with God, all things are are possible. I'm going to leave you with this scripture verse. It's one of my favorite. Matthew 19:26. Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. I love you guys. Have a great week. Thank y'all so much for tuning in today. If you want to stay in the know for all things Heart Ministries, check out our website at heartministries.org. In there, you'll see the latest episodes of Harp On It, upcoming events, and our newly released book entitled, How Can I Leap Tall Buildings When I Can't Get My Tights On? Thank you again for tuning in today. See y'all next week.